Welcome to Monster Dear Monster, a multimedia monster podcast. I'm your host for the evening, Cameron, and of course, joining me as always are Dave. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. And Leonard. Leonard, my man, how are you? I'm uh, desperately attempting to wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Saturday mornings can be a bit difficult. Yeah. Um... (laughs) All right, uh, so this week we'll be covering The Hound by Lovecraft, which is a short story he wrote for Weird Tales. But before we get into the main course, let's have a little aperitif. I'm saying that's the right Is it is an aperitif or an hors d'oeuvre? Could be either, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just a <laughs> for dinner yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, it, it's, our, it's our short but delicious segment. It's Yokai of the Week. Uh, so, this week we are on the letter T for, um, tons of yokai, all about <laughs> something along those lines. Um, so, Dave, roll them. Eight. Eight. The atmospheric ghost light. <laughs> cool. Um... So yeah, Tenka are a type of atmospheric ghost light told about in various areas of Japan. It's written about in the collection of fantastic stories, the Ehon Hyaku Monogatari from the Edo period, and in the essay Kashi Kyawa by Seizan Matsurura. Matsurura? Yeah, and other writings, but it's also told as the folklore of various areas. So who'd like to start off with the folklore then? I'll, I'll give it a go. Yep. All right, so in the Atsumi district, Aichi pre- uh, Prefecture, when one's path ahead, wait, when one's path ahead, when on a road at night, becomes a bright at, bright like at noon, it is called a Tenbi. And in the Ibi district, Gifu Prefecture, the mysterious fires that make great noise in the evening sky in the summer and fly are called Tenpi. So those are both, uh, and, and the mm. same, um, Tenka. They're all um, heavenly yeah. fire. Mm. Um, the characters for those each of those names mm. um, and make a great noise in the evening sky huh that's interesting um, yeah so in the <laughs> Higashimatsura district Saga prefecture the weather would become would would become better once a Tenka appears but the homes that they go in result in someone getting ill so it's said that they are beaten by a Kane and driven out uh well, I guess ah, we'll, so we'll... the little dish-shaped bell that you hit with a stick. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, yes. So that's interesting. Uh, so they improve the weather, but then you get sick. But they make you sick. Well, <laughs> I mean, that makes sense um, as far as, like, climate change and then being be ill mm. if you're going suddenly from, like... You know, bad weather to warm weather, and yeah, or or vice versa. I, I, <laughs> I like these as um the sort of the UFO of feudal Japan, where they're just flying through the sky, making a massive amount of noise. <laughs> uh, the the little illustration at the top of the page is actually pretty good as well. Um, yeah, let's see. So in the Tamana district. 
Prefect, uh, Kumamoto Prefecture, it is a mysterious fire that would fall from the heavens and has a size about that of a paper lantern. And it is said that a congl- conflagration results when it falls on the roof of a house. In the Saga Prefecture region, they were thought of as a premonition for a conflagration and were detested. So in some places they turn the weather good, in other places they just light your house on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Typical. Uh. (laughs) All right, Leonard, do you want this next paragraph? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It... Uh, it is said that Tinka were once thought of a type of vengeful spirit uh, on on Royal, yeah. and uh, in document uh, uh, document on folk customs, uh, Makosato Mio Mizokushi mm-hmm. uh, from the Amakusa Islands. Yeah. Uh, Kamato Prefecture, there is the following um, legend. A certain man went to Onaki Village, now uh, Amasuka City, to fish, but the villagers treated him as an outsider and treated him ill, and due to that he died from an illness. From then on, a ball of fire would come flying through Onaki every evening and move on to burn a brush. And without even a chance for the villagers to try to extinguish the fire, it spread and completely burned down the houses of the village. The villagers feared this as the deed of the man's vengeful spirit and built a jizo Jizo. at the the place where he was ill-treated. And it's said that the spirit is mourned for mourned for every winter. Hmm. That's cool. uh Yeah. That so <laughs> Yeah. You would one would expect one would expect uh, uh a fisherman to turn into something yeah, I don't know, water related, but nope, just yeah. a ball of fire that burns down the village. Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and the final little bit is when a tenka flies there is the theory that it makes a shan shan sound like the jean jean b of the nara prefecture which we covered a while ago mm-hmm. um and thus it thus it is also called a shan shan b uh the name shan shan b <laughs> is told about in the tosa province which is now the kochi prefecture <laughs> that's cool so it, it's related to various other weird atmospheric nonsense that yokai do i guess <laughs> oh wow there's actually quite a bit more in classics right, um, okay I'll, I'll i'll read this part yeah yeah go for it according to the Kash, uh, the kashiyawa when the people of saga f- find a tenka if it was left there it would result in their home catching on fire so they are driven away by gathering around and reciting a buddhist prayer by doing that the tenka would change its direction and flee at the end, when it has been driven all the way to the suburbs, it would disappear in the middle of vegetation. Also, <laughs> it is said that the Tenga could be driven away by fanning them with a seta. And in the collection of fantastic stories Fude no Sus- uh, Susabi from the Ansei period, there was one told about someone in the Hizen province who lost their home due to a fire. And, this is a quote, the fire fell on someone else's home, and the resident of that home used a seta to drive away that fire, which is a, a type of sandal. 
I could get up. <laughs> I think it's the I think it's the um the woven ones. Yeah, um, yeah. Resulting in my home catching on fire instead. So I'd like for the residents of that home to be <laughs> to pay the expenses for a new home. <laughs> uh, and implored for a settlement from the um, Daikon um, to <laughs> make them pay. Yeah, I guess, uh, that yeah, home. yeah. Um, in the collection Shoot. of fantastic Shoot stories, Ehon Hyaku Monogatari from the Edo period, it was written about as oh, it was written as Tenka. So heavenly fire. According to this, yep. uh, there are the, there are those here and there who die by fire when their homes catch on fire. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah, that does happen. People um, people catch on fire when they are yeah. caught on fire. Well, when your houses are made of wood and, and <laughs> straw. Mm. Um, according uh, accordingly, according to a fantastic, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's another fantastic story in this same piece of writing. Uh, there was a heartless daikon at a certain place. Um, <clears throat> that's an administrator. Due to his selfish mm. desires, he is ill-treated. He ill-treated his subordinates and got a bad reputation even among his superiors. And when he came down from his seat of daikon next month, so I guess this is a rotating position. Mm. Um, a fire came out came from somewhere that should have had no trace of fire at all. Burned his house, and he also died. And all the gold, silver, and treasures and clothing turned to smoke in a flash. Uh, actually, the people were mad because he was a bad dude. Burned his house. <laughs> yeah, and stole I was going to say. Um, when this fire occurred, the, I don't know what happened, guys. All his stuff just turned to smoke. It's gone. Must have been in Shanjambi. Yeah, must have been. <laughs> um, this wasn't the vengeance of the, the village. Um, it is said that no. someone witnessed the sight of the lump of fire falling from the. Guys, look. It was a UFO. It totally stole all of his stuff. It, uh, it stole his stuff and set his house on fire. We oh, didn't. Man. We didn't take it at all. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's this, a, I like, this is a good one. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to imagine that there was like a feudal CSI episode where they're talking to everyone. They're like, "No, no, it was that ghost fire that fell from the slot sky that killed everybody and made all the treasure disappear, instantly burned up, just disappeared in a flash, all the smoke, it just burned it all up." I don't know what happened. <laughs> It's a shame because even though nobody nobody in the village liked this guy, we're real we're all very sad that he's dead and that all yeah, of his treasure yeah. is gone. Yeah. It was the fire yeah. from heaven. It was a yeah. heavenly judgment. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and look, the weather is so nice now. <laughs> oh man. Oh my god. That's uh, great. I what love a perfect- yeah, I, I love Japanese folklore. I love a lot of folklore, to be fair. But just we get we get these interesting little half translated tales in the Wikipedia page, and they're so good. <laughs> yeah, which is even, which is even funnier because we actually have access to quite a few of these <laughs> in their like original form. So I should probably mm. maybe next time um, <laughs> if I have next yeah, time Dave relevant tale. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll pull it up. So we can get primary source material rather than just <laughs> stealing from yeah, Wikipedia every yeah. time. I mean, not steal. We're just we're using it as a primary no, resource. No. Don't exactly. do that, kids. Do your proper no. research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay to use Wikipedia. Just use the sources that Wikipedia used. Don't actually quote Wikipedia itself. Yeah, right. any, anybody can edit this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
All right, uh, that was Yokai of the Week. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Including University Study Guidelines by Dave. Yes. <laughs> All right, kids. A- APA style is your friend. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. All right. Uh, oh, one last thing. And for oh. anyone out there that has a rich person that they hate, there is Skyfire. That is a perfectly <laughs> applicable alibi for anything. <laughs> just saying. Just, just, <laughs> just have you remember a... to have your buddies with a microphone going, shun, 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 shun. <laughs> It's the it's sky just, fire, guys. It's such a good folklore tale because it's so obvious what it was. <laughs> 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 I'm never going to get over that. Luckily, um, luckily right. the, the magistrate was super... <laughs> Was very superstitious. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I> believe him. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, okay. So, moving on to the um, the main course, we have The Hound, a short story written by Howard Phillips Lovecraft in September 1922 and published in the February 1924 issue of Weird Tales. Uh, the Hound is notable because it is the first mention of the Necronomicon in all of his writing, which is pretty cool. So, oh, I'll just I'll just give a quick overview of the story. I guess um, the Hound revolves around it, it's a classic Lovecraft tale in that it's a suicide note where the writer bears all, confesses at all his sins, and all the terrible and horrible things he's both done and seen. Uh, our main character, who is not named, uh, is a grave robber with his friend St. John, uh, spelled St. John because Americans are like that. No offense. Uh, <laughs> I've never understood that, but moving on. Um, <laughs> they're not grave robbers professionally. They do it for the aesthetic. Um, they are sort of thrills. <laughs> it, it's literally what it is. They're, 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 the, they're these thrill seekers, these esoteric, uh, I don't want to say perverts, hedonists. Hedonists is a better word. Yeah, they just got um, bored. They've got bored and yeah. wanted to do something fun. Well, it's great because it's like that he's talking about is like you know the wrong hour, a bit of cloud over the moon, a person yeah. walking by to disturb us. Any of those throws that off. We just can't simply rob a grave under those conditions. It has to be perfect. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, the beautiful grave robbery. Yeah, exactly. Um, they've been residing in this nice big house all by themselves, no servants, and so they've sort of collated this museum of items they've stolen. You know, they've like got bodies taxidermied up and around the place. They've got all kinds of loot from various graves. Um, Did they make like and they um, also the scent uh, tubes or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Crazy. They, they have these scent tubes in the house that just they can press a button and switch what smell the house is. And they're like, we have this nice cinnamon scent and mint, and every now and again we feel like grave <laughs> rot, rot scent. There's, they're, they're real hedonists. They take everything under consideration as a potential experience. Um, and one day, they learned something particularly interesting about an old grave in Holland, which was the grave, pardon me, of a legendary tomb raider. And <laughs> being such <laughs> devotees to this act of grave robbery, they travel all the way to Holland. <laughs> To go rob a grave, which seems uh, really excessive. To, to be fair, mm-hmm. I don't think it's that far because they're in they're in the UK, as far as I can tell. They're in the UK, but it's still like we crossed the channel and drove across part of Europe to go rob a grave. 
<laughs> it was the best grave. <laughs> it's a really good grave, I guess. It, um, su- it suited their aesthetics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they're sort of irresistibly uh, drawn to this idea of unearthing this ancient grave of this famous grave robber. And when they get there, they can hear in the distance the baying of some giant hound. Uh, which, if you listen to the audiobook version as I did, you will hear that particular phrase a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, they ignore it. They excavate the grave, find an enormous, elaborate coffin, and open it up to find that um, the skeleton is actually pretty intact. It's a little, it's a little worse for wear. It looks like it's been attacked by an animal, but it's all in place. It's all distinguishable, and it has a lovely jade amulet. And they go like, even if we didn't recognize what this was we would have stolen it because it was so beautiful and it's the perfect time to rob a grave. But they did recognize it. Uh, the amulet is one mentioned, quote, in the forbidden Necronomicon of the mad Arab Abdul al-Hajred, which is... <laughs> uh, he, he likes his alliteration, I'm going to say. Uh, and that is the very first mention of the... <laughs> yeah, that's the very first mention of the Necronomicon in all of his works, which is important, to say the least. Um... So they take the amulet, and at a distance they swear they can hear this baying of the hounds again, all the way back to England. Um, you know, after a while, they've, they've returned home, they're doing their normal business, they can still imagine they hear it off in the distance, and then one day, Sinjin is killed violently by some kind of animal attack while he's walking home at night. Uh, the narrator <laughs> is uh, a little disturbed by this, decides that he has to return the amulet to the grave and flees the house, flees all the way back to uh, Holland he's returning to, but finds that he's been robbed on the road uh, without noticing someone has picked his pocket and removed the amulet. Uh, the, the horror, you know, he can hear the hounds just over the horizon and he, there's no way to placate them now. And in the morning he reads the newspaper and a band of thieves was torn apart in a wild animal attack. He's like, ah, that. They, they were they were visited, visited upon by red death so yeah which is god it's such a good it's it a is. good phrase he, um, um definitely <laughs> this tale in particular is sprinkled with um allusions to to edgar Allan poe so that's yeah, yes yeah that's fun little nod wink and a nod it's a very poe-esque piece as i believe some critics said um right. so he, he's getting he's getting yeah he's getting increasingly disturbed by all of this obviously so he actually still makes the, the pilgrimage, as it were, to return to this particular grave, dig it up again, which seems much easier than last time for some reason, uh, and sort of open up the coffin, and the skeleton is there, covered in blood and guts and flesh and hair and holding the amulet in its hand, when the, when the skeleton suddenly you know starts baying like a hound, uh, he flees, and... You know, he can still hear the hound in the distance. He can feel this revulsive horror. And so, of course, he is going to kill himself. And that is sort of the end of the tale. Um, <laughs> so had either of you actually uh, read or listened to this before? I I have, yes. Um, many times, actually. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of enjoy, uh, enjoy the hound as this kind of weird, like, ancient hit piece on Hot Topic Kids. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the scene kids are doing it again. Yeah, I'm like, oh, 
Oh, we're grave robbing. We've installed the the graveyard scent pipes throughout the house. <laughs> Look at all of our baby heads. We just got so <laughs> bored with everything. Uh, they are very much like that. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like... It's it's not a super long story. Obviously, I was just able to sum it up in a couple of minutes. But he, you really get a sense for the kind of lifestyle these two have been living. This kind of weird, yeah, kind of like scene, hot topic, emo lifestyle. But, you know, with added actual horrific crime on top of grave robbing constantly and taxidermy right. parts to hang up around the house. Which Yeah, well, it's just in their we've... basement their sweet basement it's just their basement yeah yeah their 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 sweet morbid den it it is literally the hot topic room of the house where Uh, you you open you open the black door and there's red lights and mummies and mm. (laughs) spirit halloween cobwebs (laughs) everywhere (laughs) oh I, oh, I love it. I I, yeah. I love the I love the setup for this because it's just bored people with a dumb gross hobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if only they had, had black lights back then. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting because we always. You never, you never see that part of the culture of the, you know, the previous century is like, no, no, people were like that. Here's H.P. Lovecraft writing about the extreme version of them that probably didn't actually happen all that much. But like, right. it's, it's doubtlessly based on someone, like someone is out there being all brooding and mysterious and dark and edgy back in the 1920s. <laughs> <laughs> Poe, I'm not looking po. at you, Poe. Poe. No. No, no, I don't know a Poe. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Dave, what about you? Uh, I had read this before, but uh, again, as with most of the most of these shorter ones, it just kind of was lost to time and memory. Um, mm. I, I did recall it as we were going through it, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I spent any kind of in, in, in extra time researching or looking up any, any of the references that it uh, was making, uh, which are there, there are quite a few mm. sprinkled throughout the yeah. throughout the story, yeah. and um, it's pretty rad. I guess one of which we'll, we'll get to in a minute um, will relate this mm. to our um, dream quest we're diving mm. into. <laughs> yeah um i had also read this before i chose to audiobook it this time because i found a good set of uh lovecraft audiobooks on youtube with a quite a nice narrator um but i i really actually quite like this piece not only because of its gothic scene kid poe wannabe <laughs> protagonists <laughs> um <laughs> but um also because it's it's a fairly simple tale but at the same time it sort of has this interesting creature to it like it's a hodgepodge of various things like we've got several creatures to talk about like bar guests schools revenants that kind of thing um and it it is it is a simple tale it doesn't have all these grand overtones that some of the other lovecraft stuff has we're not you know 
bearing ourselves through the dreamlands on the backs of 600 cats or anything ridiculous. It's just two guys robbed a grave. It went very badly, uh, <laughs> to summarize the story. <laughs> uh, yeah. Two guys, I also... Um, I really love that that the, the, the first appearance of the Necronomicon is to just identify a piece of jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hey, that's my great aunt's, aunt, aunt's brooch that I read from this hell book that I just happened to have. <laughs> it, was a, it was a book yeah. made of human skin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These guys, uh, we, took, you know... Was it paid no? They, no, whatever it's called, where you spared no expense. Spared, yes, I was at paid no yeah. expense. It's not paid right. no, I mean, they did steal it. <laughs> they paid nothing except for their scent tubes. Yeah, that yeah, probably was expensive. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet that was real. Do you think the contractors ever asked why they were having like this weird ventilation put into their piece? Probably not. They were like, "Hey, it's, it's just we want to. It's like message tubes, you know." We're, yeah, we have our yeah. Par- party downstairs, and we got a call up to for orders. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> uh, all right, um, Dave, how about you hit us up with those uh, those references and links to the Dreamlands? <laughs> all right, so we'll we'll do a short um, when they're, <clears throat> I guess when they're uh, when they've opened the coffin and they're describing the um, amulet. Uh, I'll just mm. kind of go over that part. So in the coffin lay an yeah. amulet of curious and exotic design. Uh, it was an, it was the oddly conventionalized figure of a crouching winged hound or sphinx with a semi-canine face, which was exquisitely carved in the ancient oriental fashion from a small piece of green jade. Uh, the expression on his features was repellent in the extreme, savoring at once of death, bestiality, and malevolence. Uh, around the base was an inscription in characters which neither St. John nor I could identify, and on the bottom, like a maker's seal, was graven a grotesque and formidable skull. Um, and then we get to the other part. Uh, alien, it, it alien, it was indeed. Alien, it indeed was to all art and literature, yeah. which sane and balanced readers know. But we recognize it as a thing hinted in of the forbidden Necronomicon, of course, uh, the ghastly soul symbol of the corpse-eating cult of inaccessible Lang in Central Asia. So Lang will be. Um, mm. featuring in uh, some of the dreamlands more heavily as it's yep. literally just a kind of a at this point it's a throwaway name um as much mm. as necronomicon kind of is just to give uh like a fake background mm-hmm. yeah. Slend- lending yeah. credence to like some of this myth um that, that he's building up and again, since this was written in um, 1922 uh it's it's arguably the first um not really mentioned, but first description of uh, what would later become his ghouls, as we see in uh, Pikmin's Ball, yeah. which was written in 1926, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So, shall we discuss the various creatures that make up the inspiration for the titular hound? Um, yes. Oh, and I guess as we're... Ooh. Before we were remiss, um, there are large grotesque bats um, that yes. also sort of frequent this grave. Um, mm. And they'll, they're not like the important bats. to the story per se, other than yeah. as a set creepy. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're but, flavor. Yeah, they're, they're, they're <laughs> definitely flavor text, but they can be used, I think, to um, look into the inspiration, I think, of what uh, he may have been pulling from um, when mm. he came up with mm. this uh, hound. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, shall we start off with B for Bargast? Yes. Let's go. Cool. So, in Northern English folklore, the Barguest, or Barguest, uh, is a mythical monstrous black dog with large teeth and claws, though in other cases the name can refer to a ghost or household elf. Elf. Especially <laughs> Northumberland. Elf. Elf. Uh, <laughs> especially in Northumberland and Durham, such as the Cold Lad of Hilton. <laughs> um... The explanation for the name being ghost in Northern England was initially pronounced guest, and the origin is thought to be the combination Burgest, the town ghost. Others explain it as cognate to German Berggeist, the mountain demon, or Berggeist, bear demon. Another another mooted derivation is Biergeist, the spirit of the funeral beer. Uh, That's B-I-E-R, as in the the sort of the palate or pyre, not the B-E-E-R, as in the (laughs) festive drink. Uh, <laughs> felt I should uh, <laughs> clarify. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> sorry. I'm. S- uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can I? Can I just like uh, take yeah. it aside for for? Mm. Yeah. Go. For um. It. It's either a horrible, monstrous black dog. Or a household elf can oh, can yeah. could 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 you could you not like differentiate those two just a little more than not at all? No, nope. <laughs> no, nope. they're both bar guests. What can we say? Um, I name bar guest. Oh, although I I feel I feel like Harry Potter would have been significantly oh different. If- <laughs> If the household, if the house elves were giant black monster dogs, master has given Dobby a collar. Um, <laughs> I guess. Oh man, that'd be amazing. Actually, I want to see that rewrite. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. Um. So into the domain and description. Uh. One notable case of bar guests is said to frequent a remote gorge named Troller's Gill in the Yorkshire Dales. Yorkshire, England. I wonder, yeah, of course it's in Yorkshire. Um, a ballad entitled The Legend of Troller's Gill can be found in William Hone's Everyday Book, uh, which is a fantastic title for a book. I love it. Uh, it, recounts the, <laughs> it recounts the tale of a man who ventured forth to the horrid gill of the limestone hill in order to summon and confront the bargast in an act of ritual magic. The man's lifeless body is discovered soon after with inhuman marks upon his breast. <laughs> there is also a story of a bargast entering the city of York occasionally, where, according to legend, it preys on lone travellers in the city's narrow snickleways. Whitby is also associated with the spectre. Um, that's for those that's interesting. The... Go ahead. <laughs> for those who haven't been to the snickleways, um, it is Diagon Alley from Harry Potter. To mm-hmm. Harry Potter. <laughs> I, I've been there. It is exactly that. It's like a three, three and a half foot wide street crowded over with buildings on the top. Uh, Dave, please. The, <laughs> just the plot of that um, ballad is this yeah. story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> go to this go to this awful place and then later on you get killed by a monster. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um <laughs> let's see. Um in the eighteen seventies, a shape shifting bar guest was said to live near Darlington and was said to take the form of a headless man who would vanish in flames, a headless lady, a white cat, a rabbit, a dog, or a black dog. Uh because yeah. Or another was two. said to live in an I know, just two dogs. Um another no, was no, said two, to two two of those things are not like the rest of those things. True. Why okay, yeah. why why is it always why is it always like dismembered corpse, dismembered corpse, little white rat, dismembered corpse. <laughs> Look. Sometimes it's got a sometimes it's got a spook and sometimes it's got a sneak. Uh, <laughs> um, another was said to live in an uncanny-looking dale between Darlington and Houghton near Throstlenest, and yet another haunted an area of wasteland between Reghorn and Headlingy Hill near Leeds. <laughs> These names I I love I love Britain so much. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Matt's hitting a keyboard somewhere, listening to me pronounce things wrong. Uh, <laughs> so in in that particular area, it's more of a shape shifting monstrosity. Um, but it, in general, will often serve as an omen of death. At the passing of a notable person, the bar guest may appear, followed by all the other dogs of the local area in a kind of funeral procession, heralding the person's death with howling and barking. If anyone were to get in the bar guest's way, it would strike out with its paw and leave a wound that never heals. Because it's edgy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, don't get in the way of the dog funeral procession for the mayor. <laughs> the dog will hit you. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, besides taking the form of a large black dog with fiery eyes, it may also become invisible and walk about with the sound of rattling chains. It may also foretell the death of an individual by laying across the threshold of his or her house. And like the vampire, the bar guest is unable to cross rivers. Um, that is the <laughs> domain and description of the bar guest. Which, yeah. <laughs> um, a big, black, shape-shifting, sometimes invisible, sometimes just a headless ghost dog that leads funeral processions, hits you so that you may never heal, and heralds people's death. That is a complicated lot of things. Um... <laughs> <laughs> or it's an elf. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I uh, love it so much. I love it yeah. so much. There's yeah, always so, is... so much. I know. I know. This is this is obviously the the more hound like inspiration for the hound, but. Um... <laughs> Yeah, um, there's some sort of off, off in the distance, edge of town monstrosity that, um, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, um, Dave, would you like to take the ghoul? Sure thing. Although we covered this a little bit when we did, um, yeah, um, Pickman's model. Uh, I don't. We'll remember. do enough. Yeah, I don't remember which part we. <laughs> We looked at in, in particular, so we'll just have mm. to wing it. So again, for those of who those of you who may have missed the earlier episode, a ghoul is a demon or monster in Arabian mythology associated with graveyards and consuming human flesh. 
The term was first used in English literature in 1786 in William Beckford's Orientalist novel, Vethek, which describes the ghoul of Arabic folklore. In modern fiction, the term has often been used for a certain kind of undead monster, not a zombie. Um, by extension, nope. <laughs> the word ghoul is also used in a derogatory sense to refer to a person who delights in the macabre or whose profession is linked directly to death, such as grave digger or grave robber, making this more appropriate. So know? our two protagonists also could be referred to as ghouls. Mm. The more you well, know. like in the actual story, the um, the ancient grave's occupant was referred to as a legendary ghoul or tomb raider. So, yeah. Or tomb raider, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he had, um, what did he have that? There was like a charnel look in his eye or something. Or yeah, what, what something he had like had. That. So mm. uh, they 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 go as far as to acknowledge what they're doing is completely wrong, and they oh, yeah. they're afraid like authorities or anyone will will find their their spooky um, basement. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, of course they they burn it down. Um, that's our yeah, I yeah. guess our our callback to the um, Shashanbi. They burnt their own stuff down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because they were doing wrong. You're done wrong, yep. you get burned down. All that treasure just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, what happened to it? It just turned to smoke. Oh, uh, I, 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 I want that to be the actual name of that room. The spooky basement. The spooky basement. <laughs> oh, man. If I ever get a house with a basement, I'll put a little <laughs> spooky basement. <laughs> may or may not have scent tubes. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, uh, yeah, Dave. Do you want to continue with ghoul or? <laughs> um, so, in ancient Arabian folklore, the ghoul dwells in burial grounds and other in- uninhabited places. The ghoul is a fiendish type of jinn believed to be sired by iblis. Some state that a ghoul, ghoul is also a desert-dwelling, shape-shifting demon that can assume the guise of an animal. Uh, especially a hyena. Uh, it lures unwary people into the desert wastes or abandoned places to slay and devour them. So there's our connection to the Barghest. Mm-hmm. Um, the creature also preys on young children, drinks blood, steals coins, and eats the dead. Then taking the form of the person most re- recently eaten. So, mm. another way to, bl- <laughs> to another thing to place some blame on someone you might not like. It's, they, they, yeah. they, they ate the young children and stole the money. Um, mm, yeah. That's cool. And I guess for the popular culture reference, uh, it was not until Antoine Galland translated Arabian Nights into French that the Western idea of ghoul was introduced. Galland depicted the ghoul as a monstrous creature that dwelled in cemeteries feasting upon corpses. This definition of the ghoul has persisted until modern times, with ghouls appearing in literature, uh, manga, and anime. The exception, or not the exception, the example of Tokyo Ghoul, um, television and film, mm. as well as video games. It also appears in Michael Jackson's Thriller. So <laughs> those aren't zombies; they are ghouls. Oh my god, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, um, I also like that the um, the etymological origin is from the word gala, which means to seize. Um, it's just it's just a grabby undead. <laughs> They're just trying to get grabs coins. coins, grabs food, grabs blood. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Um, let's see. So yeah, that um obviously more directly influences the actual 
creature of the hound i guess like we had the bargus for the baying of the hound and the connection to weird mysterious magic and things like that and then we have the ghoul for it's a tomb raider itself it's this grave robber that feasts on people and cakes itself in blood and flesh and covets an amulet apparently um Leonard, would you like to have a quick look through Revenant for us? Yes, a Revenant is a visible ghost or animated corpse that is believed to have been revived from uh, death to haunt the living. Uh, The word Revenant is derived from the old French word um, Revenant? Revenant. Revenant. (laughs) (laughs) The the returning. Many stories documented by English historians in the middle, uh, middle Ages. William of Newborough uh, wrote during the uh, 1190s, it would not be easy to believe that the corpses of the dead should sally, I know not by what agency, from their graves, and should wander about to the terror or destruction of the living, and again return to the tomb which of its own accord spontaneously opened to receive them. Uh, Did not frequent examples occurring in our own time sufficient to establish this fact to to the truth of which there is abundant testimony? There were uh, were just a lot of ghouls in the 1190s, I guess. Sounds really... It just sounds so dumb, but look at all this evidence we have that's happening everywhere. <laughs> look at look at all the look at all these corpses with their automatic tomb doors. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like that bit where the, the where like the grave itself is like, oh, you're back, man. Cool, you kill some peasants. Great, good for you. Come on, get some rest. Uh- <laughs> Welcome home. <laughs> like, Welcome home. Like. Like 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 a pre modern smart house, but for dead people. Oh well, yeah, I mean these these revenants aren't going to bury themselves. Well, no, I guess not. Oh man, I mean they um, they, got, they have to close the door on their coffin and then pile the dirt back on. Not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's oh, that's great. Uh, we've got a lot of testimony for all these dead people walking around. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah. There's an analysis section um, stating medieval yep. uh, European stories of revenants have some common features. Those who revive from the dead are typically wrongdoers in their lifetime, often described as wicked, vain, or unbelievers. Often, the revenants are associated with the spreading of disease among the living. The appropriate response is usually exhumation followed by some form of decapitation and burning or removal of the heart, which is also common in another creature, mm-hmm. uh, the Strigoi. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, Dave Segway, excellent. I'll take, I'll take the Strigoi then. Um, <laughs> uh, so moving on to Romanian mythology, Strigoi, um, English can be pronounced Striga, or you can just call it a poltergeist. Um, are the troubled spirits of the dead rising from the grave some strigoi can be living people with certain magical properties some of the properties of the strigoi include the ability to transform into an animal invisibility and the propensity to drain the vitality of victims via blood loss 
whoever wrote this article has been having fun uh, with their words. <laughs> uh, Strigoi are the myth behind the modern Bram Stoker vampire. Um, the name itself was believed to originate in Greco-Roman Strix, which denotes either a witch or an ill-omened nocturnal flying creature, or a hybrid of the two that was said to crave human flesh and blood, particularly of infants. Uh, let's see, different types of Strigoi, here we go. Um, so we have three main types of Strigoi. We have the Strigoaica, which is a witch. We have the Strigoi view, which is the living Strigoi, or um, it, it, it's kind of a kind of sorcerer that steals the wealth of farmers, that is to say, wheat and milk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it could also stop the rain, drop hail, and give death to men and cattle. Um, <laughs> kind of a weird... <laughs> Once again, one of those things is not like the other. Yeah, look, I steal wheat, I steal milk, I stop the rain, I cause hail, and I just kill everyone I see. <laughs> uh, I I love how they just slide in, like, the death curse, like, right at the end. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, and he can just kill people. Yeah, yeah, just kill people. <laughs> but my wheat uh... and milk... No. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, the final kind of Strigoi is the Strigoi Mort, uh, which I'm sure you can guess is the dead Strigoi, uh, but it's much more dangerous. Its nature is ambiguous, both human and demonic. He or she emerges from their grave, returns to their family, and behaves as in their lifetime while weakening their relatives until they die in their turn. So great news, Grandpa's back. <laughs> but now everyone's feeling a little sick. Um, <laughs> came back from the farm. We told you he would. <laughs> gr gr grandpa's back, but he actually has a literal death field around him now. Yeah. Uh, I like that idea of like, it, it It just comes back to life perfectly normal. Like it, it doesn't appear dead or anything, but it's just around the house and people are just slowly getting sicker and weaker as long as it's around. Someone goes... Wait, didn't we bury Grandpa last winter? <laughs> I thought Grandpa was dead. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. Well, the premise, the premise that that the family just lets it, yeah. lets them hang around, knowing that they're dead. You kind of brought mm -hmm. it on yourself if you're not getting rid of that reanimated corpse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are a few ways to become a Strigoi uh, you can uh, be a living person in which case you had to be the seventh child of the same sex in a family so you had to be the seventh son or daughter um, you could lead a life of sin or you could come on after death by dying without being married by execution for perjury by suicide or die having been cursed by a witch um, <laughs> and mm -hmm. According to Yona Andrisco in a book, Where Are the Vampires, published in 1997, so I'm not sure on the accuracy of this claim, children born with a call atop their head will become Strigoi after their death. Um, <laughs> so that last one may be a modern fabrication on the myth, but um, essentially it's all, it's all the classics. The seventh son of a seventh son is Strigoi, or the sinner is a Strigoi, or you didn't get married, or you were executed for lying, or you killed yourself, or a witch said, I don't really like you. Um, <laughs> these are these are always become this weird, undead, not quite vampire magic 
thing, which is <laughs> that they've 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 got a fair suite of the mystical attributes. You know, they've got super strength, super speed, super senses, weather manipulation, <laughs> shape shifting, immortality, invisibility, um, various various other things. That that list reads like a D and D monster manual of <laughs> conditions. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, now, without Lincoln for prevention of Strigoi, uh, in 1887, French geographer Elisie Recluse details the burials in Romania, quoting, If the deceased has red hair, he is very concerned that he was back in the form of dog, frog, flea, or bedbug, and that it enters into houses at night to suck the blood of beautiful young girls. So it is prudent to nail the coffin heavily, or better yet, a stake through the chest of the corpse. Um, so do frogs the, the, go after blood? I don't understand the link there. <laughs> I, I think I think the issue is if you were a ginger, um, they would drag your corpse up and stake it <laughs> for no particular reason. <laughs> we didn't we didn't like that guy with the with the red orange hair. He might have turned into a flea to come suck out blood. <laughs> um, you know yeah. the animal most efficient for draining the blood out of a human body. A yeah, flea. entirely. Or even better, a <laughs> no, frog. it's the frog. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just, oh man, I just, I perfect image in my head of a little tiny frog just crawls up the side of the crib and it just opens the mouth, has the two tiny vampire fangs on the end of the mouth. <laughs> no, it's the, um, it's the, it's the Guillermo del Toro uh, vampire. So it has like a, a, ah. a stabby tongue. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah that would work actually. I could see that. Um, okay, let's see if I can pronounce this. Um, Simeon Floria Marian in In Mormantaria la Romani, um, <laughs> which I believe is the death rituals of the Romanis, uh, written in 1892, describes another preventive method unearthing and beheading, then re interring the corpse and head face down. Uh, so basically. <laughs> confuse it so it digs down instead of off <laughs> don't you look uh, at me yeah yeah uh and then um there are some more modern day collations of information on uh, the dracula scrapbook by peter haining in uh published in 1976 reported that the meat of pig killed on the day of saint ignatius is a good way to guard against the vampires according to romanian legend um so there's a there's a checklist. One, <laughs> exhume the strigoi. Two, remove its heart and cut it in two. There's our link to um the previous one. Uh three, drive a nail in its forehead. Four, place a clove of garlic under its tongue. Five, smear its body with fat of a pig killed on Saint Ignatius Day. Six, turn its body face down so that if the strigoi were ever to wake up, it would be headed to the afterlife. Um that's a fairly <laughs> comprehensive way to deal with it. <laughs> wow um yeah so this is between um good lord between between the the revenant and the strigo this sort of rounds out the final features of the hound uh in that it is this creature that can if it so chooses freely exit and re-enter its grave and it does so for a specific purpose of terrorizing or destroying men um and it has these, these, it definitely has powers of some kind. It's able to track someone across Europe. You know, it's, you know, accompanied by a swarm of bats. It's always howl, howling and baying at its 
there are there are some bits in the story where like it is in the house like messing with doors and everything and it's actually some quite suspenseful bits that I quite like where it's trying to get into that sort of spooky basement um <laughs> so we've got this really great because it, it doesn't feel like a mishmash monster which is the good sign of a mishmash monster is that it feels natural but it is all these elements kind of thrown together to form this one thing that i i really quite like personally um what do you guys think um i i always really enjoyed uh the hound i you know it always read uh i always read like vampire ghoul um mm. uh, you know the basics it's 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 real it's 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 um it's easy to go shorthand with what kind of creature uh mm. it is uh but i really enjoy that it has all these elements from all of these different creature uh different undead creatures from like ancient antiquity uh wow mm. that was that was redundant but um <laughs> i did <Antiquity. laughs> i um one thing though that i always really did like to imagine with the hound was that it wasn't u- really using magical powers to travel mm. that it would literally just have the swarm of bats grip onto it <laughs> and fly it around to place to place while oh, bay while baying <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually a frightening like mental image. So, I really this like thing, that. Like flying, you know, this shadow goes across the moon. Yeah. It's just giant wings, and it's just howling. And then it's actually just a dude <laughs> being a carried dude by a bunch down. of bats. <laughs> the bats let go. It falls down, and it's just running at uh, you on all fours. Yeah, it's actually, uh, that is that is terrifying. Thank you, Dave. I was I was going to go to sleep after this, but um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my job yeah. is done. Yeah, exactly. You've you've spooked us all. Oh no! How dare you? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is that is more or less the probable origins of the Hound. We won't lay claim to know exactly Lovecraft's inspiration, but these no, are sort of I... the, the closest European folklores. <laughs> and I believe in um, one of his letters, he just was displeased with this story because it's like it's just a hound. Yeah, it's just a dog, man. <laughs> oh, let, let's, it, I think it's on the actual page. It was a reception. No, he didn't say it's just a hound. He dismissed the piece as a dead dog and a piece of junk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lovecraft, you're your own best critic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't eldritch enough for him? No, clearly not. It it only had a tint of Eldritch with my throwaway names to this mad Arab and the Necronomicon. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, uh, I I personally really like this short story, even if Lovecraft himself didn't really grow to love it after time. I, yeah. I think it's again, it's that this that idea of the simple uh, Lovecraft story for me is like you no, know, it, it's it's small scale. There's very clear what's going on but it's still really creepy like i said in bits where the hound itself is like spooking up the house before it actually kills anyone and things like that um (laughs) yeah (laughs) and also ironically enough considering of uh all the the lovecraft uh adaptations uh to 
film and television, this one seems like it would work the best in something that's like an anthology series or... Mm. Uh, oh, and yeah. I'm, I, I've always been, I've always been kind of surprised that no one's tried to, to, to do e- actually an easily filmable, filmable version of a Lovecraft mm. story. Yeah, um, and it was one, is one skeleton prop, and that's it, <laughs> <laughs> and some rubber bats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess that's our next weekend planned out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll go. We'll go film a short film for the show. <laughs> uh, that's, mm. <laughs> uh, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. Uh, well, with that, I think that's more or less the hound. Unless we have anything else to add to the discussion. No, I, I can't. I can't think. I I had something earlier, but I forgot what it was. So it must have not been. That's all right. You you can you can record it yourself and edit it in later yeah. if you need to. <laughs> and it's... and I and I got the image of a skeleton being carried by bats out, so I am oh, good. Man. That's a good image. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, all right. Um. Well, that has been our slightly shorter than normal monster, dear monster. It's good to have a little, little brief episode every now and again. I feel. You know, keep everyone listening intensely so they don't miss any of our crackling conversation and insight. Um, with that, Dave, where on the internet may we find you? You can find me on Twitter at sentinut underscore plus. Um, that's, that's primarily where I hang out. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, Leonard. Yes, you can find me on uh, Twitter at... Uh, Dr. Faust is dead, and you can also find me on YouTube uh, under Dr. Faust is dead. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, You can find me on Twitter, too. I'm at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. And you can find this very podcast on Twitter at mon underscore demonster. Give us a follow if you like the show. Uh, We usually poke... Poke? Ah, mm, ah, mm. We usually post post about a week ahead of schedule um on what we'll be discussing um and you can give us some feedback or give us some suggestions for what to discuss next time um and with that i believe we are done so dear listeners farewell don't go digging up any graves and we'll see you on the next episode goodbye goodbye bye bye